Enterprise Management 360. Hello, my name is Bob Tarzi, freelance IT industry analyst, and I will be moderating this EM360 podcast, which looks at the role backup and recovery tools can play in enhancing IT security. A quarter of a century ago, as the internet was entering the age of widespread business use, security was very much an afterthought. Today, security has pervaded every aspect of IT infrastructure and usage to ensure the protection of users, data, and business processes. This has been a two-way process. Security has been built into more and more products, but more and more non-security products have been adapted to enhance security. Backup and recovery products are primarily viewed as a way to restore lost data after an IT hardware failure, user mishap, or some other disaster. However, security attacks often aim to mimic such incidents, especially ransomware, which encrypts data using the attacker's encryption keys, rendering the data unusable until a ransom request has been satisfied. Backup and recovery products provide backstop or protection against ransomware attacks. The compromised data can then be discarded and new copies recovered from the last backup set. Furthermore, backup products are also being adapted to try and prevent ransomware attacks happening in the first place. Backups also offer a secondary data set that can be scanned to look for unwanted content without impacting performance of live operations. Furthermore, the backup process of regularly accessing files on a wide range of devices provides an opportunity to check for configuration errors, anomalous content, and unexpected changes to files on these devices. To guide us through the potential backup and recovery products have to enhance security, I'm pleased to be joined by Joe Noonan, who is a VP of Product Management and Marketing at Unitrends. Hello, Joe. Hi, Bob. How are you? Thanks for having me. That's great. Pleased to have you on the podcast. Joe, how serious is the problem of ransomware these days? To try to characterize seriousness, a lot of it has to do with the, the business and financial impact of it, as well as personal impact. You know, when you look at ransomware just over the years, and there are statistics all over the place, just to cite you know, a couple, you're looking at millions of attacks that are occurring across from 2014 through 2016. They've slowed a little in 2017 and 2018, but the severity of them and the press and PR that you see of these continues to show how important of a problem this is. You have semiconductor manufacturers losing and stating this publicly, losing well over you know a couple hundred million U.S. dollars just from one attack. You have WannaCry and, and NonPetya a couple of years ago that were global and were impacting not just isolated verticals or isolated geographies, but they were literally spreading to you know, basically um, all throughout the world. You, you, you referred to two well-known attacks there, WannaCry and NonPetya. The interesting thing is I remember about, about WannaCry in particular was it wasn't targeted at any particular business because it used a random vulnerability in an old version of Microsoft software. So any business could be impacted, even if they weren't a target of the attackers. Is that, is that right? So, Absolutely. When you look at the way that ransomware has proliferated, you have some folks are very, very targeted and looking to you know, establish 
some form of pain to an organization or a set of organizations. And then you have something where they just took advantage of, of an exploit and wanted it to just impact as many businesses as possible. And these stats are even a little bit dated at this point. It's worse now, but at one point, there were about 60% of organizations that were hit by ransomware were down more than a day. And when you look at the cost of downtime across you know, all different industries, and I know it varies based on the size of business, you know, you're looking at you know, nearly a trillion dollars in that cost of downtime due to lost productivity, lost revenue, lost reputation. And when you see major airlines or major healthcare organizations in the UK, or you know, obviously a lot of manufacturing institutions and industrial institutions that are getting hit by it even more recently, as well as schools, this is impacting so many users that need to be productive and do things with their lives. In some ways, when you look at the healthcare impacts, folks just saying, don't log into the network anymore. We're going to go back to paper. <laughs> you know, this is a major impact, not just the businesses that are being hit, but also the people that need to rely on them. Clearly, these are things to avoid. And from what you've said, your organization may be the victim of a targeted ransomware attack, but you're equally likely, even for a small business, to be a victim of a random ransomware outbreak. But having a backup and data set to recover files lost during a ransomware attack is an obvious protection. Nobody's going to argue with that. Backup is a standard procedure for the safe management of data that's been in place for decades. But how else are backup tools being adapted to help prevent ransomware attacks in the first place? That's a great question, because when you look at backup, it's obviously become a much bigger part of this ransomware story in the security world than it had prior to ransomware. Backup was kind of the, the primary way to make sure as long as you had a good backup, you would have some way of recovering. But ransomware has gotten smarter and it's gotten a little bit more difficult. And even backup vendors can't just say, well, listen, as long as I'm backing up your data, you're good. There's a multifaceted approach around data protection that assists with the ransomware problem. And again, this is on the storage side and the data protection side. You still have your other layers around network security and obviously endpoint security. Those are critical. Backup is not a replacement for them by any means. But naturally, as, a, as kind of a fail-safe at, at the end of an attack, to be able to get a company restored quickly to an earlier point in time where ransomware wasn't there, it's a complicated factor. There's a few things that we look at when we think about a backup and data protection strategy. Number one is obviously making sure your data protection strategy covers all the different layers of protection that are necessary at the storage level. So naturally, you want to have local backups that allow you to recover quickly. And that's your primary method of being able to defend against ransomware. But at the end, you also want to make sure that you have copies of those backups in different locations so that if there is an attack that happens to be too impactful to one location, you have other locations to be able to fail over to. And very often we'll call this kind of the three to one rule where you want three copies of your data and two different types of media, one offsite. And that is an important strategy for just making sure across any type of data protection failure, but especially ransomware, that you initially have your coverage around data loss. So the next piece of it is making sure that your data is secure. Naturally, you want to make sure that that data is protected in a secure location, like you mentioned with WannaCry. And the ex exploits around Microsoft that were being leveraged there, they were fixed long ago before the attack occurred, right? But it's, it's obviously pretty complicated to make sure that everything is completely secure in those types of environments. When you say make sure your data is secure, sorry, just to be clear, do you mean the primary data or the backup data? Or both? 
Great question. So I'm solely talking about backup data in this scenario. It all obviously applies to primary data as well, right? Because that's where people are getting encrypted. But naturally, if your failsafe gets encrypted as well, your backups, then you're completely hosed, right? And obviously, ransomware attackers have gotten smarter because they know that backup can be a way to prevent them from getting the money that they're looking for. That's why they're doing all this. Naturally, they're starting to attack backup systems as well. So making sure that you have a very secure backup system that has only the necessary components of it open to the network for it to do its job around backup, that's pretty key as well. We'll talk a little bit about that later. I'm just kind of outlining the overview. The quick five-step approach is, you know, obviously make sure you have your data protection strategy in place with the 321 rule that we mentioned before. Making sure that that data protection side of things, that data is secure as well. And there are different ways you can architect backup to be more secure. And then making sure your recoveries are going to work, right? It sounds so obvious here, but testing recoveries becomes very, very critical, but it can be time consuming. So you're looking for ways to automate that process so that you know that things are going to be recoverable, but it's not taking all of your time throughout the day to make sure that this, this strategy is going to work. And where I think backup systems have really evolved is they're starting to now be able to detect ransomware. And being able to detect, and I'm not talking about becoming a endpoint security or network security product. That's not where backup vendors are really going in this sense. What they're doing is as they protect machines, they can be ingesting data that had been encrypted or infected by ransomware. And sometimes the user may not even be aware of it in the production environment yet. Being able to sense the data patterns that can be indicative of ransomware and using machine learning techniques to be able to alert folks of the fact that they may be protecting machine that has been infected with ransomware is another great area of peace of mind. It's not just a good alert mechanism to the fact that the production environment could be infected, but more so that I just backed up and have a recovery point that is not good, <laughs> right? It may work, it may recover things just fine, but this machine, after you recover it, is still infected. And understanding that becomes a really important responsibility of backup vendors because the best way to reduce the amount of downtime is to be able to go back to an earlier backup and recover quickly. If you have to go back to an earlier point, do a recovery, find out, oh no, that's actually still infected. Let me go to an older one. Let me find that one. That one's still infected. You start doing that process with multiple coverage, trying to search for a good backup. Wow, that is time consuming when you're under the gun. And that's the last piece. And that's going to help, as you pointed out, Joe, if you've um, done this um, process of practice in the recovery procedure, because that should be treated like a fire drill. Once a month, you should make sure you can recover your key data sets, even though they may not have been compromised. So when the real event happens, that you're ready to go on that and indeed recognize some of the potential problems that may lie even within a backed up data set that you've identified. And the other key thing you touched on there, and I think this is a fundamental thing, particularly for smaller businesses, and I know smaller businesses is one of the sectors that Unitrends helped, is that if you're relying on a cloud backup service, for instance, something like Box or Dropbox, Google's backup, and Microsoft's backup, whatever, cloud backups, then those backups themselves, if they're left online, can be easily compromised by the attackers as well. So that's what you mean by having at least three copies of a data, one which is virtually offline, except for when you actually need to do a recovery. Bob, that's a great point right there that you mentioned, because a lot of customers that are using Box, that are using OneDrive with Microsoft, they'll assume that backup is an inherent part of that service, and it's not. Backing up to earlier points of time that can take you far enough back in the past prior to a ransomware attack 
is not something those services will guarantee. When we talk about the data protection strategy and making sure it's in place, extremely important when you're using SaaS-based platforms that house a lot of your data that you ensure you have true backup being done on a regular basis because a lot of the native services will offer things like archiving or legal hold or types of services like that. And they may talk about data protection in those lights, but that's not the type of backup that is going to protect you from ransomware. You're going to need to recover to an older point in time, and that's not natively available from a lot of those services. Great. Okay. So it's clear that backup and recovery tools are a fundamental part of protecting yourself from ransomware attacks. And it's not as simple as just creating a backup on a separate device, which is left online. So it's more sophisticated than that. There's more ways, as we were discussing before we started this discussion, that backup and recovery tools can help with protecting data. And one thing you were telling me about is that you can use backup data sets to scan for dangerous files rather than scanning live data sets. Why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you just scan data in situ on devices? It's a great question, and customers are not protecting their endpoints with malware scanning solutions. But what we found is that there are a number of industries that tend to be prevalent with having relatively low-powered hardware running some key critical applications that may be at local sites. Manufacturing is actually one of the verticals that comes to mind, but we see this a lot. And the devices locally in the production environment, they have a hard time actually functioning and doing their production job while also doing virus scanning and things like that. It tends to be a little bit too impactful to the business. So one of the things that we developed for those use cases is the ability to allow you to use the backup data set, spin that up in an isolated environment, whether it's on our appliance or in a virtual environment of your own, and we can actually run pre-built malware scanning against the machines out of the backup data without doing any kind of full recoveries or anything along those lines, so it's fast, and it allows you to just do it completely in an isolated non-production scenario. So you're still at least scanning the data that you're protecting for those types of issues. It's not the same as doing your standard production endpoint malware scanning, but it at least gives you that leverage protection around security for those types of machines that can't necessarily afford to do it in production. Yeah, these could be old machines, legacy machines. I mean, we touched earlier on the um, WannaCry ransomware that hit a lot of healthcare organizations that were using very old, low-powered Microsoft machines to run medical devices. And I guess one of the things about the devices in manufacturing, healthcare, and these other sectors is those devices aren't regularly being updated with new data and, and so on and so forth, not to the same extent as their file server or a, in an office or something like that. So it works quite well to scan the offline data sets without impacting the performance of the devices. So, And Bob, you know as good as anybody, once ransomware can get into the network, it can proliferate. When It's likely that an organization, especially if it's big enough, may have one or two of these machines. It's tough to keep them up to date. They're running older legacy applications, therefore they stay on older legacy operating systems, and it's not acceptable to leave those exposed, and we try to ultimately find ways to provide solutions there. Well, as a provider of backup and recovery products, one of the things that as a vendor you have to be able to do is to provide a comprehensive backup process to your customers, and that means you must be able to access all the devices on their network on a regular basis. But you told me that also provides an opportunity to you and other backup suppliers that also do that 
to provide security enhancements to their customers. What sort of security enhancements are you talking about there with this wide and regular and comprehensive access you have to their data? That's a great point, Bob. You start to see from companies in the backup space is more and more security-related features being built in. There's more responsibility for this problem being taken. And because we live within the network, we're protecting the data, we can understand aspects of the data that can help keep it more secure. There are additional things we can do, like you mentioned. Unitrends has actually started looking and launching products that will look for malicious or odd behavior within the firewall. We're not trying to do you know, your standard malware scanning at the edge or within networks. There's lots of products that do a great job with that. What we're actually looking at here are when someone's in the network, what are some of the odd behaviors that can indicate a security threat of some sort? For instance, unauthorized logins that may have just occurred on a credit card server. Unauthorized applications were just installed on an important critical finance server. New profiles were added to you know, someone's laptop that's very important, like a CEO. A particular user logs into a particular server after midnight. They've never done that. But those types of behaviors obviously can become leading indicators to future security issues down the line. And there aren't that many solutions out there really taking advantage of understanding what types of situations like that could occur that could be a leading indicator of a problem down the line. So that's where Unitrends being inside of the network, looking at data and understanding that data and being able to do that scan we're actually looking to provide these additional value-added alerts as well to help people be more proactive. This is really interesting because typically people would think of backup and recovery as being a, an after-the-event addition to security. But what you're really saying here is you're turning your products into a proactive, upfront security measure that helps spot the sort of behaviors that might lead to security incidents rather than just responding after the event. Absolutely. It's great to start out and be a fixer of the issue at the end and be reactive. But as we learn more and we see the problems proliferate, we want to help people avoid them as much as possible. And that's where we're heading. Great. Now, one of the things that we've touched on in this conversation, Joe, and I think comes up all the time in discussions I have with businesses is that this is all well and good for big businesses. They have these sort of processes and tools in place and they they have the skills in-house to use them effectively. But a lot of small businesses struggle to get the sort of protection we're talking about. Is there a way that smaller businesses can get access to these proactive security measures and effective backup and recovery capabilities to protect them from things like ransomware? You know, one of the things that Unitrans and even other vendors in the space are doing is they align their packaging and pricing for the type of customer that they're selling into. And security is not often being looked at as this advanced enterprise feature that we're going to charge people a lot of money for. That's not a scenario that we really want to get into. We want to make sure that because all can be hit by these types of problems, that there are solutions that will fit their needs. So we have appliances as well as software that is very affordable from the SMB all the way through the enterprise. And the Unitrend Security Manager, which is the extension functionality we talked about that's looking for abnormal behavior inside the firewall, that also has packaging that aligns towards customers with 500 employees and less, as well as 500 employees to 1,000 employees and even 1,000 to 10,000. So absolutely serving all aspects of the SMB through the enterprise, very critical for this problem. And we want to make sure we do that well and give people affordable solutions. 
Do you also work with service providers who provide security services into the small businesses? Excellent point. Absolutely. So when you look at small businesses, maybe 50 employees and less that have zero internal IT, they need help and managed service providers are a phenomenal way for them to get the help that they need. And we have packaging and subscription pricing that is very specific to what managed service providers are looking for so that they can drive value-added services and drive their own business to solve these problems for those customers using our technology. Great. At least from some of the vendors in the backup and recovery industry, the sort of advances that have taken place uh, in data protection, both upfront and after attack protection, are available to businesses of all sizes. So thanks to Joe Noonan of Unitrends for providing this insight into the hidden value of backup and recovery products. And thank you to all of you for listening to this EM360 podcast. Thank you. For more podcasts like this, head to em360tech.com.